Friday the 13th. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Fernando. I'm an alcoholic. It's good to be out here in nature. Today's topic is hating people. <laughs> hating people is like burning down your own house and get rid of a just to get rid of a rat. From Harry Emerson Fosdick. Hate is like an illness. It says right here on page. I'm keeping it simple. May 13th. Hate is like an illness. It steals our hope, our love, our relationships. Hate puts distance between people. Hate can even give us a false sense of power. Ooh. How do I use hate to make myself feel important? I hate this. I hate that. I Oh my God, just like little children. I was a child that had never grown up. Fernando Alcoholic, trying to be important, you know. Oh, I hate that kind of car. Oh, I hate that announcer. I, you know, someone whispers in my ear and says, I hate this, I hate that. I wonder who that is. Our program tells us to let go of hate. Hate and sobriety don't mix. Hate doesn't like us connected with our higher power. Our program, Ours is a program of love and respect. We're taught that if someone treats us wrong, we still should be respectful in our response. Why? Because we're changed by our actions and we're just being tested. If we act with hate, we become hateful. If we act with in a respectful way, we become respectful. One of the ways you can do it is, I love you and I forgive you while they're going off at you. I love you and I forgive you. I love you and I forgive you. I love you and I forgive you. Prayer for the day. Hate is the drug of those who are afraid. Higher power, help me to be free from hate today. Help me to be free from that feeling. Action of the day. It's self-centered to hate. Today, I'll read pages 60 and 62 of Alcoholic Anonymous, 3rd edition, about being self-centered. And let's go ahead and read that. Remember that 60 to 62, I just happen to have them right here. Let's pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. 60 to 62. Well, I got selfishness, self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and then retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later place us in a position to be hurt. So this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new triumphant arch through which we passed through freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things follow. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed. If we kept close to him and performed his work well, and established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing 
what we contribute to life, as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of its presence, we began to lose our fear today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. Now remember, our one of the things that God has just reminded me is this is a program of love and tolerance and a, <clears throat> a program of testing. When I stopped drinking, I got tested four times with the temptation to drink. And if it wasn't because of my commitment, my commitment helped. When going to meetings didn't help, when talking to a sponsor didn't help, when reading the big book, which I was probably not doing any of those things, but making a commitment to staying happy, joyous, and free in the face of the drink, in anger, in celebration, in sex, and whatever temptations get in my way, the commitment hell. That's why we still have the willpower to say, I thank you, God, I'm drinking. That's willpower. I thank you, God, I'm a misfit. That's willpower. I thank you, God, I don't understand this. That's real willpower. But the fact is, is that we're... I thank you, God, for this person that's going off on me. I thank you, God, that this person is, is, is angry and pissed. That's willpower. I love you, love me, and forgive me, Father. You want to keep that connection of love going while it's being tested by the devil. The devil's going to test us. So we have to say, God, I love you. Please forgive me. And right there, you'll open up a channel of love with him. To stay strong in the midst of someone tearing up at you, trying to get your lunch, okay? You're, we are being tested. Love is the answer. That's what this program is about, you know. Give, let God and let go. Turn it over to God and let go. And that's how we turn it to God. I said, thank you, God, for this hate that wants to come out, you know. Thank you, God, for this hate. And just thank God for it. And before you know it, the love will will get rid of it. The, and then we go, the love will win out. And failure is good. If you fail, then go back to the drawing board. I thank, I love you and I forgive you, Fernando. And then say it again to yourself. I love you and I forgive you. Then ask God, God, I love you. Please forgive me. And then you go at it again. And try for the next test coming your way. Until you, we will, we are winning. We're winning because we we are winning because we have chosen to to be to give them the benefit of the doubt and stay in love and pray for the knuckleheads, starting with ourselves. Fernando, I love you and I forgive you. Give them heaven, family. Have a great day. Welcome to today's uh, Zoom class on how to recover, how to stay, how to stay from drinking, and uh, how to stop drinking. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. Thank you for coming for this, to my Zoom class. I have my buddy Rick. He's in the program here. He's going to be helping me read, and we read this so we can uh, not drink, not drink today, and stay stay sharp on these on these principles, these spiritual principles behind these readings. Uh, let's go ahead and open it with the uh, set-aside prayer, the serenity prayer. God. Oh, 
Let's say the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. All right, the set aside prayer says, God, Lord, help, please help me set aside everything I think I know about you, about my friends, about myself, and this program for a brand new revelation, Lord, in you, in my friends, in myself, and in this program. Make it come alive in Jesus, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We're going to start in the big book reading, page 63. I'll read a couple, and then I'll pass it on to Rick. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things follow. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we get close to him and perform his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. <clears throat> we were reborn. Rick, go ahead. Step three, many of us said to our makers and understood him, God, I offer myself to thee, build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me from the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that I picked her over them. Bear witness to those who I would have helped of thy love, of thy power, thy love, thy way of life. Taking on this step, making sure that we were ready, that we could uh, last banner ourselves utterly to him. All right, let's turn to page 76. Would you read that too, please, when ready? Page 76? Yes, sir. <clears throat> Almost sure. We'll see. When ready, we say something like this, my creator. I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray now that you remove me from every single defect of character that stands in my way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me the strength as I go out there and do your bidding. Amen. We now have completed step seven. Amen. Thank God. Okay, let's go ahead and jump all the way back to Dr. Paul's famous letter. Uh, uh, acceptance is the answer. We'll start on page 416. 416. <clears throat> And I'll start. It says, It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue, that I've been drinking as a result of a compulsion. <clears throat> Even though I had not been aware of that compulsion at that time and that sobriety was not a matter of willpower, the people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had, but I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. <clears throat> there was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, acceptance proved to be the key to my drinking problem. After I'd been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, <clears throat> not finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, Okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts, and it's all right with me. Now what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. 
except as the answer to my problems today when I'm disturbed is because I find some personal place thing or situation mm. back in my life unacceptable to me. I can find no serenity until I accept that personal place thing or situation being exactly the way it's supposed to be at the moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world today but the same. <clears throat> until I accept my alcoholism, I cannot stay sober. Unless I accept my life completely and life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world, but it needs to change in me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said, all the world is stage, and all the men and women are really players, and we forgot to mention I was too quick. I was always able to see the flaw in every person, every situation, and I was always glad to point it out because I knew he wanted perfection, just as I did. And acceptance has taught me that there is, is a bit of good and the worst of us, a bit of bad and the best of us. And we are all children of God, and we have each other right to be here. When I complain about about me or about you, I'm playing about God's handiwork. I'm saying I know better than God. <clears throat> For years, I was sure the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it is the best thing that has ever happened to me. This proves... I don't know what's good for me, and if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or for anyone. So I am better off if I don't give advice, don't figure I know what's best, and just accept life on life's terms as it is today, especially my own life, as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself on my intentions, while the world was judging me by my actions. Acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems. It is though AA has given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have now been married for 35 years. Prior to our marriage, when she was a shy, scrawny adolescent, I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift for being easy to talk to, a sense of humor, and many other fine qualities. It was as if I had, rather than a Midas touch, which turned everything to go. A magnifying mind that magnified whatever it focused on. Over the years, as I thought about Max, her good qualities grew and grew, and we married. And all these qualities became more and more apparent to me, and we were happier and happier. But as I drank more and more, I'll have seemed to affect my vision instead of uh, continuing to see what, what, see what was good about my wife. I began to see her defects, and the more I focused my mind on her defects, and the more they grew and multiplied. Every defect I pointed out to her became greater and greater. Each time I told her, she was she reduced to a little bit. Every time I told her, I pointed out to her, it became greater and greater. Each time I told her, she was nothing. She reduced a little bit more to nowhere, and the more I drank, the more she bullshit. Then one day at AA, I was told that I had my lenses on, glasses backwards, and the courage to change and the serenity for meant not that I should change my marriage, but I rather that I should change myself and learn how to accept my spouse as she was. AA has given me a new pair of glasses, and I didn't focus on my much good qualities and watch them grow, grow, and grow. I could do the same with the AA meeting. The more I focus my mind on its defects, late starts, long drunk logs, cigarette smoke, the worse the meeting becomes. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting rather than what I can get out of it, and when I focus my mind on what's good about it rather than what's wrong with it, the meeting keeps getting better and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. But if I focus on the answer, the answer increases. Page 420, please. Perhaps... Perhaps the best thing is for me is to remember 
that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people are, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations, but then my rights try to move in, and they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it compared to my serenity, my emotional sobriety? And when I place more value on my serenity and sobriety than anything else, I can maintain them at a higher level, at least for the time being. Acceptance is key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit around doing nothing while waiting for Him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do what's ever affirmed me that needs to be done and leave the results up to Him. However, it turns out that's God's goal for me. I must keep my magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations because my serenity is directly proportional to the level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had so good. Thank God for AA. Amen. Amen. Page 552, please. 552. He said, in effect, if you have resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for the person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their help, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even when you don't really want it for them and your prayers are only words and you don't want mean it and don't want it. Go ahead, do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find you have come to mean it and want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. <coughs> well, it worked for me then, it worked for me many times since. It will work for me every time I'm willing to work it. And sometimes I have to ask for the willingness, but they don't always two come. And because it works for me, it'll work for all of us. And another great man said, the only real freedom a human being can ever... Uh, ever know is doing what he got to do because he wants to do it. This great experience released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love and really just another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in alcohol and everything I need I get. And when I get what I need, <laughs> I get what I need. I invariably find that it's just what I wanted all the time. Hey, you aced, you aced it. Amen. Page 100, please. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things that came to us, when we put ourselves in God's hands, were better than anything we could have planned. Follow, follow the dictates of a higher power, and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstance. Page 83, please. 83? Yes, sir. If we are painstaking. <clears throat> if we are painstaking about this pain or development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. If we want to know a new freedom, a new happiness, we will regret the past or shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity. <clears throat> we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We've begun, uh, we will see how our experiences can benefit others and feeling of success and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and begin interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away and the whole attitude and the outlook towards life will, will change. Fear of people and 
Remember, people at Economic Security will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle such situations used to baffle us, which we will suddenly realize God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. We are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Work, work, work. <clears throat> now, page 85, please. It is easy to lit up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble. We do for alcohol to settle full. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I base serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line. All we wish, it is the proper use of the will. Go ahead. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from the who has all knowledge and power. We are careful to follow directions. We have better loose sense to flow of his spirit into us. We get, to some extent, we have become God conscious and we have begun to develop a vital success, which, but we must go further. This means more action. Page 43, please. <clears throat> Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental def defense against the first strength, except in a few rare cases. Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much for coming in today to the, uh, to the reading of Alcoholic Anonymous, Rick. And have a great weekend. Give them heaven and enjoy your, uh, your, your sobriety. Let's go ahead and finish with the Lord's Prayer, please. Okay. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Stay. Keep coming back. All right. Bye-bye now. See ya. Welcome to today's Zoom class of Alcoholics Anonymous, my own personal recovery. I'm Fernando, alcoholic. Um, so I'm waiting for Rick to show up, see if he'll log in. Anyway, let's go ahead and open with a serenity prayer and get our meeting started. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The past is over, today's daily reflection. AA experience has taught us we cannot live alone with our pressing problems and the character defect which caused or aggravated them or aggravated them. If step four has revealed in stark relief those experiences we'd rather not remember, then the need to quit living by ourselves with those tormenting ghosts of yesterday gets more urgent than ever. We have to talk to somebody about them. Right on. Hey, Rick. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Hey, welcome. Uh, 
You know, Yogi Berra said, uh, you can observe a lot just by watching Yogi Berra. And that was, uh, that was the catcher for the Yankees. Remember him? He wrote a book. So how are you? Welcome. How's, uh, how's your recovery yesterday? It's going all right. <clears throat> good, good. You know, when I <clears throat> first came into Alcoholic Anonymous, uh, the, the people there spoke volumes to me. They, uh, they were recovered individuals that were doing something free for the community. And I can tell in their hearts that they were sorry for what they'd done and how they conducted their lives. And like, that's what I have in my face today. You know, I'm sorry that we missed out all those years on pro- productivity and being kind to our loved ones and uh, taking advantages of the uh, natural things in life instead of drinking and brawling and causing trouble. I, I'm sorry I did that. So here I am today. All right, well, let's go ahead and get our reading started. <clears throat> let's start off today with the uh, set-aside prayer. We'll do the, the short version. Lord, help me to set aside everything I think I know about me, about my fellow man, about you, Lord, and these 12 steps for a fresh new revelation and perspective in you, in my fellow man, in myself, and this 12-step program in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, let's go ahead and go with uh, page 86 right here, please, on awakening. Let's go ahead and read that. 86, please. Yeah, go ahead and start us off on awakening. That'll wake us up on awakening. Okay. <clears throat> on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day being before we even begin. We ask God to direct our thinking, especially along, especially that we be divorced from self pity, dishonest, and self seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can avoid our mental faculties with insurance. But after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life is thinking much clearer of wrong motives. In thinking, thinking about, of, thinking about the day we face, the decisions would be, we, we may not be able to determine which course to take. Here's where we ask God for inspiration and tool of thought or decision. We relax, we take it easy, we don't struggle. We are often surprised on how right we are, how right the answers are. <laughs> after come after we've been tired of this for tired for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption and all sorts of absurd action and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that would be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful not to make any requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. 
We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. Sugar said, "Warned if we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation, if we belong to a religious domination which requires seven morning devotion, we attend that also. If we are not members of the religious bodies, we sometimes memorize and select a few set of prayers which we emphasize the principles of we have been discussing. There are many helpful books. Suggestions of these may be obtained by one priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they have to offer." As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. We ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. <clears throat> and humbly saying to us, saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. We are in less, less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, or self pity, foolish decisions. We become more and more efficient. We do not tire so easily, or we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were in trying to arrange our lives to suit ourselves. It works, it really does. Amen. Beautiful. Uh, let's turn back to page 62, please. Self, <laughs> selfishness, self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows, and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation. But we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later places in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions to the Lord, but we could not live up to them, even though we would have liked to. Neither could we have reduced our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is a how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. We naturally decided in the trauma, decided in the thereafter, in this trauma life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple. His concept was the keystone to the new child's arch pass through freedom. Well, we sincerely took a position of all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer, being all powerful, we provided what we needed, but kept close to him and formed his work well. Establishing such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves and our little plans of design. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt a new power flow in. And, uh, and as we enjoyed peace of mind and discovered we could face life successfully as we become conscious of his presence, we do not lose uh, or fear of any, uh, do not lose fear of today, tomorrow, the thereafter. We were reborn. We were now at step three. Many of us <clears throat> said to our maker as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of your power, your love, and your way of life. May I do your will always. 
We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Let me turn to page 76, and I'll read that, and then from there we'll turn back to page 24, okay? Page 26 says, when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Give me strength, or no, grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. Page 24, please. The fact is... The fact is, most alcoholics for reasons yet obscured have lost power of drink, choice of drink. Our so-called willpower become practically non-existent. We are unable to discern times to bring into our consciousness the significant force of memory of the suffering of human nature even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against this first strength. Want me to go on? Yes, please. It's the, the almost certain consequences follow the taking of a glass of beer to not cross the mind of the tourists. These thoughts occur, they are hazily and rapidly supplanted by the old bear idea of, well, that's, <clears throat> that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There are no, there is a complete failure to get this kind of defense that keeps one from burning his hands on a hot stove. <clears throat> the alcoholic may say to himself in a more casual way, it's not going to burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't even think. How often has some of us have drunk in this nonchalant way and after the third, fourth pounding in the bar saying to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? <clears throat> Only to have that thought surpassed by, well, I'll stop with the sixth drink or what the hell, what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid and unless locked up may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. There is a solution. Most of us know the lack of self-searching, of living or pride, confessions of our shortcomings, and which... This, which the progress requires for a successful conversation. But we saw really, really worked in others and had to come to believe in the hopelessness and fertility of life as we've been living it. When therefore we approached by those whom the problem had been solved, we, there was nothing left for us to do but pick up a simple kit of spiritual tools later our feet. We, we have found much of heaven and been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence which we don't even have dreamed. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we had had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. If you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there's no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible and if we had passed into the region from which there's no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. 
One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Let's go to page, uh, I guess, 416. It helped me a great deal. Okay. Thank you. It helped me a great deal to become convinced alcohol was a disease, not a moral issue. I had been drinking as a result of a compulsion, even though I had not been aware of the compulsion at the time. And, the, and sobriety was not the matter of willpower. The people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had. And I was afraid to let go of what I had and to try something new. There was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, accepted has proven the key to one of my drinking problems. And after I had been around uh, AA for seven months, tapering up along the hall pills, and finding that the program not working very well, I was finally able to say, okay, God, it's true. Of all people, stranger may seem, and even though I didn't get my permission, really, really, and I'm an alcoholic of sorts, and it's all right with me. Now, what am I going to do about it? Living in the answer, and, uh, and the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not one single compulsion to drink. And acceptance is the answer to my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I cannot stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Uh, let me move on to page 417, 418. It says, acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems. It is though AA has given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 35 years. Prior to our marriage, when she was a shy, scrawny adolescent, I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. <clears throat> things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift of or being easy to talk to, a sense of humor, and many other fine qualities. It was if I had rather than a Midas touch, which turned everything to gold. A magnifying mind that magnified whatever focus on. Over the years, as I thought about Max, her good qualities grew and grew, and we married. And all these qualities became more and more apparent to me, and we became happier and happier. Let's go to page 420, please. 420. 420? Yes. The thing for all to remember is that Saray is universally proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people, the lower my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise, but I, I discard my expectations, but my rights try to move in. And they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations and by asking myself how important is it really, how important it is to compare to my serenity and my emotional <clears throat> emotional sobriety. And when I place more on value on my serenity and my sobriety, then I have, and on anything else, I can maintain it at a higher level, at least for the time being. Acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit around doing nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Whether I 
to do whatever is in front of me that needs to be done and leave the results up to him however it turns out. That's God's will for me. I must keep my magic magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations for my surrender is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. And when I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for AA. Then one day in AA, I was told I had the lenses and my glasses backwards. The courage to change in the serenity prayer meant not that I should change my marriage, but rather I should change myself and learn to accept my spouse as she was. AA has given me a new pair of glasses. I can again focus on my wife's good qualities and watch them grow, grow, and grow. I can do the same with an AA meeting. The more I focus my mind on his defects, late starts, long, drunk, large cigarettes, smoke, the worse the meeting becomes. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting rather than what I can get out of it, and when I focus my mind on what's good about it rather than what's wrong with it, the meeting keeps getting better and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer... The answer is increases. Amen. Page uh, 100, please. Both you and your name. Yes. Amen. And page 83, the promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of development, we'd be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity. And we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will truly know how to handle situations with used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always work for them if we, they will always materialize if we work for them. Page 85, please. We continue to live on a spiritual program at the rest of our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do so. For all cause and subtle folk, we are not cured of all cause. What we really have is daily reprieve of the conscience of maintenance of a spiritual condition. And maintenance of our spiritual condition of God's will unto all of our activities. How, how may it best serve thee? <laughs> My, uh, thy will, not mine, be done. These thoughts are which must go with us constantly, where we can exercise them along the willpower, along all we wish. Here's the proper use of the will. <clears throat> Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, direction from Him who has all knowledge and power. And, uh, we are careful to follow His directions. We have begun to sense the flow of His, new, of his presence into us. <clears throat> and to some extent, we have become God conscious. It is. We have begun to develop a vital success, but this must 
must go. We must go further. Than that means more action. Page forty-three. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, and except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense might come from a higher power. Deanne, beautiful, beautiful, wonderful words of life. Let's go ahead and close with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Rick. See you mañana. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much for coming to today's Zoom class. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. We have Rick. My sidekick, thank you, Rick, for coming on here and help me read, uh, who's also in the program. Let's go ahead and open up with the uh, set-aside prayer and then the serenity prayer. And hopefully we will end with the our Father. Lord, help me to set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about myself, Everything I think I know about others and everything I think I know about recovery, my own, for a new experience in you, Lord, a brand new experience in myself, a brand new experience in my fellow man, and a much needed new experience in my recovery, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. All right, we're going to start in page 416 today and then go back. We'll read that portion of Dr. Paul, uh, a, a big book. I'll start it off. It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue. That I have been drinking as a result of a compulsion, even though I have not been aware of that compulsion at that time, and that sobriety was not a matter of willpower. The people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had, but I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. There was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, acceptance proved to be the key to my drinking problem. After I'd been around AA for seven months, Tapering off alcohol and pills, not finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, Okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, as strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts, and it is all right with me. Now what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. We are on page 418 on acceptance is the answer. What, 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 what page? Page 416, 418, excuse me. 418? 
Okay. Oh no, four seventeen, four seventeen. And, <clears throat> and acceptance. Acceptance, right? Yes. It's been the answer to my marital problems. <clears throat> Hang on, hang on. That that's not a four seventeen on acceptance. The other, the other acceptance. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift to beginnings you talk to. on my glasses backwards. The courage to change in the serenity prayer meant not that I should change my marriage, but rather that I should change myself and learn to accept my spouse as she was. AA has given me a new pair of glasses. I can, again, focus on my wife's good qualities and watch them grow, grow, and grow. I can do the same thing with an AA meeting. The more I focus my mind on his defects, late starts, long, drunk logs, cigarettes more the worse the meeting becomes. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting, rather than what I can get out of it, and when I focus my mind on what's good about it, rather than what, what's wrong with it, the meeting keeps getting better and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer, the answer increases. Page 420, please. Perhaps. Uh, perhaps the best thing for me is to remember that my serenity is universally proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations are back to other people, the lower my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I start my expectations, but then my rise started moving, and they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my, my rights as well as my expectations of asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it to prepare to? Where am I? Especially my emotional sobriety and that what, on anything else, I can maintain it at a higher level, at least for the time being. Simply is the key to my relationship with God today. I never start around doing nothing while waiting for Him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever's in front of me and let tell. Uh, to be done and leave the results up to him. However, it turns out that God is will for me. <clears throat> I must keep my magnified mind on my 
acceptance and not by expectations for my serenity is, is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had so good. Thank God for AA. Amen. Amen. Page 552, please. He said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for that resentment, you will be free. If you will pray for the person or the thing that you resent, if you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health. Ask for their prosperity. Ask for their happiness. And you will be free. Even when you re really don't want it for them and your prayer prayers are only words and you don't mean it. Go ahead and act like it and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find you have come to mean it and want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. It worked for me then, and it has worked for me many times since, and it will work for me every time I'm willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask first for the willingness, but it too always comes. And because it works for me, it will work for all of us. As another great man says, the only great real freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. This great experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in Alcoholic Anonymous and everything I need I get and when I get what I need, I invariably find that it was just what I wanted all the time. Page 100, please. 100. Both you and the new man Both you and the new man must walk day by day in a path of spiritual progress. If we persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that things which should succumb to us when we were putting ourselves in God's hands were much better than anything that I ever could have planned. Follow the of a higher power and you will presently live in a new, wonderful world, no matter what your, your present circumstances. Page 83, please. 83? 83. That's the promises. Okay, if we're thinking about our faith and our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom, a new happiness. We will not regret the past, but shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word <clears throat> serenity, and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see our power, experience, and benefit others. The feeling of loose. Well, I lost my place again. Feeling of usefulness and self-pity will disappear. We will slip away. Lose interest in self-esteem and, and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will truly know how to handle situations which will use back to us. <clears throat> We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these describers of promises? We, we think, think not. not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but they always materialize if we work for them. Page 85, please. 
It is easy to lit up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle fall. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God-conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense, but we must go further, and that means more action. Page 43, please. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases. Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. Amen. Let's go to page 24, please. Let's take it from the top. The fact is that most alcoholics... Okay, hang on. All right, I'll go ahead. Let me start it. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at a certain time to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force of memory of the suffering and humiliation, or even a week or a month ago, we are without defense against the first string. Pass. Go ahead, Rick. Uh, we almost heard about the No, keep going. Okay. Uh, perhaps the difference thing at all. How often of us began to drink this nonchalant way and after the third or fourth pound of water said to ourselves, for God's sake, how do I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, something six before. What's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout the century. But for the grace of God, there would be have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others. And we had come to believe in the hopelessness and fertility of life as we have been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us to do but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven now, and we have been rocketed 
into a fourth dimension of existence of which we have not even dreamed. The Yes, sir. This is nonetheless that we've had a effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. Essential fact is our lives today could be absolute certainty that Creator has entered into our hearts and commanded to accomplish those things which we could not ever do by ourselves. If you are a serious alcoholic as we were, we believe that there is no middle road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and we, we had to pass through a reason we had to, which, which there is no return through human aid. But we had two alternatives one to go out to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of, of the intolerable situation as best as we could, and the other was to accept, to accept spiritual help. This Page 62, please. This is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed. If we kept close to him and performed his work well, establishing such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of His presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. We were reborn. Where are we? Many said to our Maker, we, we were now at step three. What page? Page 63. 63, all right. Oh, there we go. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as well as soon as I die, I offer myself to be, who would be as thou, and who would be as thou wilt. Believe me, of my bondage of self, and I better do what I will. Take away my difficulties that victor over them and have and make, make a fair witness of those who I help of thy power, thy love, and love, thy way of life. May I do that will always. We saw well before taking this step, making sure that we were brave to that we could but that's abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page seventy six, please. When ready. When ready, we say something like this: "My, my, my Creator, I have no one to do that. You should have all of me, good and bad. I pray now that you remove me from every single defect of character which stands in my way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me the strength 
as I go out there and do your bidding. Amen. We have now completed step seven. Page 86, please. On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is clear of wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wiser friends. Is that right? Where am I? Where am I? Uh, we ask for ourselves. However, others will be held. We careful to make. We never make a prayer before one selfish as many of us have got, uh, tried. But we waste a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work anymore. We need to see why. Amen. If circumstances warrant, no, is it my turn? Your turn still? <laughs> if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us, join us, everybody, in this morning meditation. We thank you. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many fine, helpful books. Suggestion about these may be obtained from one priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works. It really does. D.N. Beautiful, beautiful Words of life. Thank you so much, Rick. Let's finish with the Our Father, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working. We'll see you tomorrow. See you then. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye, everyone. Alcoholic Anonymous, Dave F. on 12 Prayers and 12 Meditations on this workshop. Please enjoy. We're starting on halfway. Finish the rest of this seminar. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Here's Dave. What does this mean to me? If you see a conditional, if you see the word if, it means there's a condition for that to happen. Some of the times it's double conditionals. Sometimes it says, if this and that. I put a square around the word and. Because if I want this, I have to do this, but I also have to do that. If I just do this, I don't get what I want. Because half measures avail me nothing. And I think that's actually, I'll digress for just a second. It's one of the expressions in the big book. If Bill Wilson were alive, I'd ask him, I'd talk to him about it. Because it's very, in chapter 5, in how it works, it talks about half measures avail us nothing. I don't believe that. Half measures don't get you half. You know what half measures get you? Sicker. You do this program halfway and watch what happens. Because you don't have alcohol to depend upon. All you've got is the resentment and all the nasty emotions and you don't have any way to put the flames out. And you become a royal pain in the backside. I'm trying to watch my words today. You know? So I don't think Bill Wilson was... I think he was meaning something different. But half measures don't avail us half. They get you sicker. You don't get Nick's name, Bubkiss, Squat. You don't get Diddly. You get sicker, all right? So I digress. So give this a shot. That's the, the, the 12 prayers and 12 meditations that I wanted to talk about. Some people have never meditated before, all right? So I wanted to talk about meditation for a second. And meditations, there's nothing fancy about meditation. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. Um, <clears throat> all meditation means is to get into the present moment. Because in the Far East tradition, they talk about the chatter of a thousand monkeys gets in your head. And that's the, what I describe as the itty bitty shitty committee, you know? And you get all these little voices. And I've actually named my voices, you know? Uh, I've got the judge, you know, judge is always there. The judge, the jury, and the executioner. The judge is the one that judges it. He hands it off to the jury. The jury co-signs the behavior, and then the executioner tries to figure out how I'm going to get even with you, right? If I can't get even with you right then, then all of a sudden I bring in a fourth character called the hitman. And the hitman will wait. He'll lie and wait for years until I can get payback, you know, if I'm in my sixth state, you know. There's a banker up there. There's, there's Romeo up there. Romeo thinks that he's God's gift to women, you know. He was the 13th stepper when I first got sober. You know, there's the spiritual man. There's the sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous who wants to be the sage in the group who doesn't want to be the bleeding deacon. But if he doesn't get his way in, in his group, watch him throw a little temper tantrum in my mind. Right? And by the way, if you go to a group and there's people that know that group because of it's, oh, that's Joe Blow's group, get away from it. Anytime you have a group around one person, there's something wrong with that group. We let God speak through the group conscience. No group should be anybody's group. It should be our group. That's my own little sidetrack. So how do you get into the present moment? 
you know most of us know when we're out of the present moment because the hamster's on the wheel, the chatter of a thousand monkeys going off and all of a sudden your mind goes and says, oh, I gotta get this done, I gotta get the taxes done, I gotta, oh, I gotta go pick up groceries, oh, I forgot my dry cleaning, whatever it happens to be, it's in there. And if you've never had that, you're in the wrong room, first of all. <clears throat> Second of all, the way you test yourself is not in the morning, it's at night. When you lay your head on the pillow, if you can't immediately fall asleep, you get the chatter of a thousand monkeys, Something's wrong with your spiritual condition. My wife will tell you, she's sitting right over there, you can ask her, when I hit the, hit the pillow, sometimes she'll be in mid-sentence and I'm already asleep. I don't stay awake at night with the chatter of a thousand monkeys because I do this work, all right? Well, what's the, one of the quickest ways to get into the present moment is to do something that we all do something somewhere between 17,000 and 23,000 times a day. Breathe. Just breathe. Faith Hill is one of the greatest spiritual teachers I've had in a lot of years with that song of hers, Just Breathe. Sometimes that's what it comes down to. When I get all worked up and I call my spiritual guy and I say, hey, you're not going to believe what's going on, he'll go, okay, take a breath. And then he'll remind me, what I want doesn't matter. And if you're interested, I've got some stickers up here after the meeting, you can come up. It says, what I want doesn't matter. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a joke, but I put those, I needed that kind of visual reminder all throughout the day. What I want doesn't matter. I don't get a vote. Guys will call me and they'll tell me, oh, Dave, I got this problem. And they'll tell me the problem. I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you find a vote around your house someplace? Because you don't get a vote. I'm sorry. Something's wrong here. Oh, you're right, right. You know, if nothing else, I always use the expression, be where your feet are. If you have to, lean forward and look down at your feet. We're right here in this room right now. If the chatter is trying to take you to work or to lunch or to dinner tonight or to the meeting you're chairing in an hour, you're not in the present moment. You're missing God. The only place you can find God is right here, right now. God will be in the future, but you can't go into the future yet because it's not the present. So you can't connect with God in the future, and God is no longer in the past. And if your mind's in the past, you're not in the present moment. That's what our ego, you know, Harry Tebow, I talked about him earlier. That's the job of your ego is to get you out of the present moment. And the way it does that, it goes into the past. It takes some bad experience, then it projects it in the future. Is Watch out, this is going to happen. And guess what it just did very creatively? It hopscotched right over the present moment, and you're no longer in the only place you can connect to your power greater than yourself, the present moment. So the goal is just to get back to the present moment. One of the easiest tools, like I said, is breathing. We do it thousand times a day, thousands and thousands of times a day. But how, how often do we actually think about our breath? We don't. So everybody sit up in your chairs, all right? <clears throat> Put your feet squarely on the floor and be comfortable, all right? And imagine a string coming out the top of your head. Somebody just pulls you up really quickly and then lets you down. And what I like to say is relax with dignity so that you're not hyperextending your spine. You just want to relax with dignity. And if you're like me and you've got a little roly-poly around the front, nobody, nobody will look, I promise. Just pick it up and get it up over the top of the belt because we're going to breathe. We don't want anything restricting our breath. All right? Hand position. You've got two different, really, there's a whole bunch of different ways. You can have your palms up. From the oriental traditions, if your palm's up, you're open. You're allowing God to send stuff to you. You're, you're receiving, because that's the position we do when we reach our hands out. We're open. If you turn your hands over, then you're not asking for something. You're just kind of sitting there, and you're, you're content. You're looking into yourself with your hands over. Some people will lay their hands open to each other, and they'll touch their thumbs as if they're cupping like a little egg or something between their hands, just so that they have something to do with their hands. All I care about is that you relax. I don't care whether up, down, left, right. Just relax. I don't want any stress or any tension in your hands. All right? 
and and what i want you to do is to take two deep breaths into what's called the tantien in japanese in the japan tradition it's two inches below your belly button and two inches deep so you're not going to breathe up in your chest which we all tend to do when we get stressed most people in addiction breathe from the top of their chest i want you to breathe into your belly all right so when i do it i'm going to say take two deep breaths really quickly you know a normal pace but i want to be controlled this is the first thing i want you to do is going to be controlled so you have some control to start with and then after that just let your breath go and just see if you can experience it you'll notice that when we started this we burned a little sage and it, it irritated some people everybody said what is that you know what i did i brought every one of you into this room with that sage because you smoked it and you went wow you weren't in the hamster you were here you were right here right now whether you like the smell whether you didn't like the smell it brought you right here i'm going to use a chime see if you can hear the chime and how long you can hear the chime to bring you to the center center moment so what i'm going to ask you to do is take your two breaths then listen to the chime then i'm going to sit down we're just going to be quiet for i don't know 30 60 seconds we'll see and we'll go from there okay everybody got the instructions all right two breaths Great. How many people heard somebody coughing outside? Fantastic. Guess what? You had to be here to hear that. That cough is never going to occur again at that exact same time. And what brought you the cough? The air you were breathing. The sound waves went through the air and that's what you were focused on. It brought you into the present moment. Anybody hear somebody next to them that had a whistling nose? You know, one of those. And you're thinking, and your mind immediately went to, I wish they'd stop that because I'm trying to meditate here. It's all about me, right? Guess what? You're in the present moment. When you get those thoughts that where the hamster tries to get you out there again, your ego's trying to get you out of the present moment, once you are awake to it, just bring your mind back. It only takes a few seconds to do it. I try to do it at least every four hours to sit down and just take three, four minutes to be conscious of it and to, to say, God, your will not mind be done and to take a little meditation. They're really doing, the last decade, they're calling it the year of the brain. They're doing some amazing studies on the brain. They're finding all kinds of interesting information. A lot of the more progressive hospitals have started to do prayer meditation. And they call it BHMR or something like that. And what they're teaching is breathing exercises combined with yoga for their terminally ill patients. And it, for the patients that actually pass, they're doing postmortems on them and they're studying their brains and they're finding some amazing statistics and studies. They're finding more gray matter, they're finding less chances of Alzheimer's. Uh, most of people in recovery have some tendency towards ADD or ADHD, where we tend to get distracted. Oh, look at the bird. You know, type brain, that's how our brains work. You know, they're finding that prayer meditation, when they do these studies, 
and they, the people that have been praying and meditating on a regular basis, they do it for two or three weeks or a month, and then they bring them back and they put them in, they put them in a simulator and they give them advanced tasks very quickly. And the people that have been praying and meditating can process through the tasks and focus down and get to the tasks that they need to quicker. It's helping, it's helping fight all kinds of brain diseases just by simple prayer and meditation. They're also finding very significant increases in white blood count, which is your immune system. It boosts your immune system. We are under siege from information technology. How many people have crackberries? They're calling them crackberries for a reason. You know, they did a study of uh, 22 and unders at a, one of the local at a, at a university in, in the states, and they found on average the kids were getting up three times a night to check their emails and their in, on their crackberries. Now you got Facebook and you've got all these other information media that's a constant barrage and it's constantly vibrating. Well. In the big, big book, it talks about a day of rest. When was the last time you turned off every bit of information technology, no TV, no radio, no iPhone, no iPad, no i anything, and you just were, you know? When you're sitting there doing nothing, doesn't mean you're doing nothing. You're doing something if you're conscious and you're awake to it. But most of us, our mind says, get me to whatever, I really want to be doing this, or I want to listen to this, I want, I want, I want, I want, that's selfish. We're supposed to be selfless. A wonderful technique. Who's got my raisins? Pass out raisins. I need everybody to get a raisin. All right? We need some raisins out there. All right? What I'm going to talk about, we talked about breath, right? Breath is one of those things we do anywhere from 17 to 23,000 times a day. How many people in here eat on a daily basis? Okay. How many people in here are concerned about their weight? Right? One of the reasons that I look this way is because I comfort eat. I don't know if any of you comfort eat. You know, anybody ever been upset with a relationship and eat half a gallon of haagen -Dazs? You know, yeah, yeah. All right? That's comfort eating. It, it, taken to an extreme, it can become morbid obesity, which can become an addiction in and of itself. All right? Well, one of the things that I'd like you to do, since you're doing this every day anyway, let's take one bite in one breath before every single meal, and we focus in on it. You can do your meditation as simple as that. So hopefully, when you, before you eat, you've washed your hands and you're ready to go, and before you dig in, you say a quick prayer of thanks. Thank you, God, I give you some gratitude for your food that's before you, all right? Now, before you eat, try taking a breath. Just do one breath in and focus. Get into the present moment, all right? And... <clears throat> When you guys get to the back row, let me know about the raisins, because I want everybody to have a raisin, all right? And then we're going to talk about a food meditation, which if you've never done a food meditation, it's cool. A lot of the uh, monks, they do meditation, but they, they go quiet. They're silent during their meditation, and they're meditating on their food. But very few people will tell you how to do it, and so I'm one of the crazies. I will tell you how I learned how to do food meditation. Um, everybody got a raisin? Nope, we got some here, and you need some raisins. All right. Jerry, you can light the candle, please. All right. <clears throat> Most people don't realize this, but when you're when you're touching something like a raisin, all right, you're feeling it in the palm of your hand, and we think of feelings. You know, you hurt my feelings. We use the word feeling all over the place. Well, here's one time when we really do use feeling. The thing is, you're not using one kind of feeling. There's a set of nerves in your hand that's weighing that, that's saying, oh, this weighs just like this. I've got this in my hand, 
right? There's another set of feelings that's saying, this is the temperature of it. You ever been to touch a hot stove and you come back so fast, you're thinking, man, that was red hot, it should have burned me. Why didn't I? Different set of nerves took over. Because the person, the feelings that said, hey, let's see how much this thing weighs, let's get the tactile sense, you'd be way burned. It's a different set of nerves, actually two different sets of nerves. There's something called proprioception, which is a fancy word, which means there's part of your brain that's taken up just knowing where your arms and your hands and stuff are at all times. And one of the worst diseases you can ever get is to lose proprioception. You know, you've all had it. You sleep on your, on your arm in the middle of the night and you roll over and you, whoa, whoa. you, I threw my arm out one night, threw it out of my own bed. It was like, whoa, what was that? It scared the hell out of me. It was my own arm. For temporarily, I lost my proprioception. I couldn't feel it. So part of what your senses are is it's telling you about this raisin. Look at the raisin. Everybody's raisin is unique. My raisin isn't the same as your raisin. We have a different raisin. That's part of the uniqueness. To look at your raisin, you can only be right here, right now, looking at your raisin. This little teeny piece of fruit that's in your hand, right? right? Everybody got their raisin, they seen the raisin, they know the raisin. You can name your raisin if you want to, I don't care. All right? Hold it up and see if you can smell your raisin. Should smell different. Everybody gets a little bit different sense of smell. Some people smell very well, some people don't. Some people smell the person sitting next to them and they wish they were smelling the raisin. All right? Now, take your raisin, put it on your tongue, but do not chew. Just taste your raisin. Feel the tactile sense of those little edges on your tongue. Can you feel the sweetness? Can you, can you sense the aroma in your nose even though it's coming through your tongue, the taste? Now, move the raisin around in your mouth. Let it touch the top of your tongue, the back of your teeth. Don't chew it yet, not yet. Don't steal that piece. Let's just feel your raisin. Everybody got it? Now bite into it and feel how the texture changes while you chew. It's getting a little mushy, you're adding a little saliva. The flavor is more pungent, it's sweeter. The taste is dripping down your tongue. What a sensation. Smell it again with your tongue, smell it like a snake. Wow, get the flavor. When you're ready and you've chewed it, swallow it and feel it go down your throat. Now that's a unique eating experience that only you had. Your experience was different than your experience than your experience. Everybody had a unique experience in the present, in the now. That's the cool deal about eating meditation. And you're gonna do it three times a day probably, some of us more. So why not take a second and thank God for it Take a quick breath in, get yourself in the present moment, get off, hamster off the wheel, and then eat one bite. All I'm asking is one bite of whatever it is. If it's haagen it's haagen If it's a raisin, it's a raisin. If it's yogurt, I don't care what it is. Enjoy the moment. And you'll find that over, after a while, you'll do it more and more and more. Make sense? Cool. The last, there's two more things I want to talk about. One is what traditionally they call a meta-meditation, which is really like a mantra. It's like a chant. One of the typical ones, and you can use anything you want as your topic. Normally people repeat in threes when they do it. What I was taught by a guy out in Long Island was, may I be well and happy, may I be free from angry, may I be free from suffering. Those were the three chants. I've modified them a little bit. I still do well and happy. May I be free from anger and suffering, right? And then I ask for free from selfishness, right? When I do that, I'm saying it in my mind's eye. I'm not actually saying it out loud, although 
sometimes when I'm by myself, I will say it out loud. People look at you strange when you're in the market and you're talking to yourself. May I be well and happy. May I be free from anger. May I be free from suffering. Pick whatever you want. Whatever you want to bring into your life, and it begins with you. Start with that. And you just say it over and over and over again. They call that a meta meditation. Once you get you get that feeling in your heart where everything's okay and you feel like you're in the present moment, then pick somebody you love. May they be well and happy. May they be free from anger. May they be free from suffering. And you can work your well all, way all the way up to, may the world be well and happy. May the world be free from anger. May the world be free from suffering. It's another technique. I took a piece from that because I wanted to give it to somebody else. And I came up with something I call, like to call the love light meditation. Ever stare at something like the flame of that candle and you stare at it and you stare at it and you stare at it and then you close your eyes and you can still see the light in your mind's eye? That's why that candle is there, all right? So what I'd like you to do is pick somebody that you love. It could be a child. It could be your best friend. It could be your sponsor. Just somebody that you you love in your heart. You've got no aggression, you know, no anxiety. You just love them for who you love them for. You just got that warm love. Everybody got somebody in their mind, all right? And what I want you to do is I want you to stare at the candle for 10, 15 seconds and get that burning image in your mind and close your eyes. And when you close your eyes, I want you to try to imagine that white light dropping down. I call it the drop. Because remember, we've got to get out of our mind to find God, right? So when we close our eyes, we can see the image in our mind. Drop it down into your heart of hearts, into your soul, into your guts, and feel the love. And don't and feel, see if you don't just feel it cooking inside of you. You just get this warm feeling comes over you. Then get the image of that person that you started with and see if you can, in your mind's eye, Send that feeling to them, almost like you could just throw it to them and feel what you feel. See if you have an experience with it. That's a love light meditation. It'll only take a few seconds, but I've used this meditation at where I send love light and then I'll call the person up and they'll say, you were just meditating for me, weren't you? I got this image of your head in my mind. You know, you got to stop it. I was in the middle of a business meeting. And all I could see was your smiling face. <laughs> you know, I appreciate you, Rob, but you got to back off. <laughs> it's like, okay, I know it got through. It, the experience isn't for them, experience is for you to develop compassion and love in your heart to somebody you already love, to enhance that, all right? So let's see if we can give that a try. Let's stare at the light for 10, 15 seconds, see if you can get it in your mind's eye, and see if you can get the drop, and if you have any experience in your gut with it. Short and sweet. If me talking brought you out of that, you wanted to go back there, you did it right. How many people saw color, purple or green, showed up in their eyes? There's a couple of you. you this is probably not your first go around. You've probably meditated before. For me, when I go with the love light, it turns purple. I don't know why I get to see purple in my eyes. Everybody's different from what they tell me. And I imagine I sent love light to, light to my wife. I don't know whether she felt it or not. 
but I felt love inside me, and I connected to that feeling. Most of us have been so wounded as kids, we don't let anybody in near Pandora's box, which means we suppress the bad stuff, but we also suppress our feelings and our emotions. And as you can tell today, I'm a crybaby because I've worked thousands of hours to try to tap into that. Because if I'm going to be a human being, not a human doing, I have to connect to my, I call it my girly side, which is probably disrespectful to the girls, but I call it my girly side. I got to connect to my emotions in order to be able to be compassionate, to be able to be tolerant and loving and kind as we go forth. These are just some, some techniques. You can get a thousand different techniques. Lying down meditation is fantastic. They, you can do the body scan. That's what they teach at the hospitals. We either start at the top of your head or at the tips of your toes and you work your way through and you'll feel little aches and pains and aggravations and you just let them go. And before you know it, you're completely relaxed. And if you fall asleep, that's okay. When you wake up, you can go back to your meditation. And you'll, you'll have one of the most restful sleeps you've ever had, little cat naps. I call them power naps. You know, you can do it sitting. Do the breathing meditation, standing meditation. If you like to go out, if you're an outdoors person, what stands better than a tree? It spends its entire life standing, and it's rooted in the ground. So you go out, and you find a pretty tree that you like, and you sashay up right next to it. Say, excuse me, I'm going to get up in your space. And you imagine yourself rooted in the ground. And you listen. You listen to the wind blowing and the breeze. It'll come in, and it'll fill you up, you know? What I'd like to do now is the seven, we're going to pass the seven tradition baskets since this is a, is a meeting. And I'd like Jared to come up and share some of his experiences. You heard all mine. I know that he's been doing prayer meditation for a while. Um, and let him talk for a little bit. And then if somebody else has any other experience, there's a thousand and one different meditations. The key is, why do we meditate? We meditate to get into the present moment so that we connect to the God of our own understanding. Because if you're not in the present moment, you're going to be in your addiction. You're going to be going through life. How many people have driven somewhere, some point in their life, and they had six different ways to get there, and they got there, and they couldn't remember how they went? That's what I'm talking about. We do that in our entire lives sometimes. We go through our lives thinking we're awake, but we're sound asleep. Talk about dangerous. Let's get into the present moment and connect to God and see where God takes us. It brought me to Texas. You never know. Jerry, you're up. Thank you, Dave. Um, I am J.R. Harmon. I'm a real alcoholic. And it's uh, great to be here. Meditation for me is a, is a very important tool. It's a tool that I can use at a, at a moment's notice. And uh, since, you know, uh, along about the same time that meditation came into my life, the value of a moment came into my life. And moments are, uh, you know, every, every uh, hour is made up of minutes. Uh, minutes are made up of seconds. And seconds are made up of moments. And uh, this very moment, I want to congratulate you all and thank you all for being part of this spiritual body that has come together at this very moment. That this moment will never happen again. The moment that I just spoke of will never happen again. These moments are, are very valuable, valuable. And each moment is all that we need to be concerned about. You know, uh, Eckhart Tolle talks about the moment and the now. 
And nothing takes, takes place anywhere but in the moment. Um, we, have, we had moments prior to this moment, and we will have moments in, the, in, the, in what we call the future of this moment. But each one of those moments will be that moment when they happen. See, we talk about the past and we talk about the future, and either one of those are really very important. Those are but memories and projections. The, the moment that we're in at this moment is all we really need to be concerned about. This moment is all that we can really do anything about. When, when my children were born, I have one that's 26 and one that's 25. When they were born, it was not 25 or 26 years ago. When they were born, it was, a, it was that very moment that that took place. Now, I have a memory of that, but it, but it was that moment that really counts. And, and when something happens in my future, someday I will probably pass away. Need I be concerned about that this moment? I think not. Because when that incident, when that action takes place, and God chooses to take me to wherever he chooses to take me, that will be that moment. And then I need to be concerned about that moment. But right now, I don't need to worry about that. So the moment is very valuable. Now, now, meditation is a moment thing. When I when I'm able to go into meditation, I am no, I quiet my mind to the point where I am not concerned about what we call the past, and I am not a bit concerned about what we know as the future. Time is man-made. And those two things are moments in time. This very moment, the moment of, that I am able to clear my mind, is what is important. And at that moment when my mind is clear is when God, the, power, the higher power of my understanding, can make contact with me. We, uh, we talk about prayer and meditation. You know, one... One is transmitting, and one's receiving. And uh, I think that prayer without meditation is like biscuits without gravy. No, uh, why, why on earth would you uh, go to the breakfast table and, and have some nice warm biscuits and a big bowl of gravy and not put a little gravy on those biscuits? I just don't understand it. So, uh, please... Put a little gravy on your biscuits. Dried biscuits just don't work very well. Um, another th another thing I'd like to talk about is the dash. What what time we got? Oh, 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 okay. Uh, the moment. You know what? When we uh, I heard this I heard this uh, not too long ago, six seven years ago, and it's always stuck with me very strongly. When, when, when that day does come that God chooses to take each and every one of us from this, this place to wherever he chooses to take us, which a lot of us call heaven, um, 
We're born and we die, and on our on our headstones there is the date that we're born and, and the date that we die. And then in in between those is a dash. Okay, so we got four numbers over here. We have a simple dash in between and four numbers over here to signify to, to one illustrates our coming in and one illustrates our going out. The smallest thing in that is the dash. And that is the moment. And that is the thing that is the means the most. What are you going to do on your dash? What is your dash going to signify? Please allow your dash to be as full as mine has been already. Thank you very much. If you haven't figured it out, my talk this morning was leading you to this. There's going to be a talk tomorrow morning that I'm going to be doing on transparency. And we're going to take some of these principles and I'm going to show you how to apply them. Who in here has ever had a relationship? Okay. We're going to talk about some of that tomorrow. And we're going to talk about the application and how you create vision in your life. You know, we talk about the ninth step here. Patience, tolerance, kindness, and love towards our family. That's a living amend right out of the book, you know. Between now and then, I have two homework assignments for you. Number one, spend some time with the breath inside of the breath, which is God. The second thing I'm going to ask you all to do is go out and make the world a better place because you're in it and you're sober. Uh, if you listen to this on CD, my email address is aadave1, the numeric character, at aol.com. If you want a copy of this flyer, the 12 and 12, send me an email and I'll send it out to you and we'll sh share some fellowship in cyberspace. Thank you very much for your time. Everybody, uh, they've got a Spanish-speaking meeting here and there's plenty of other meetings every hour. Yeah, there's a woman waiting in the back. What do you got? Seven tradition comeback? Oh. Well, let's get a basket by each door and you can throw it in on the basket on the way out the door. Thank you. Appreciate you.
when Bill and Bob first got sober, Ann Smith, Dr. Smith's wife, was the one who insisted on quiet time in the morning. If Bill and Bob had had their way, they'd have been out the door and out saving drunks. And Ann insisted that they take some quiet time in the morning. She said that's the most important piece. And Dr. Bob, later on in his book, Good Old Timers, he emphasized first things first and first things being God. So, I'll ask you to get comfortable. Get quiet. Feel your body. Begin to breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Begin at the bottom of your feet, on the soles, to feel a light begin. Begins at the soles, goes up to your ankles. Just a quiet, small light that slowly goes up your calf to your knee with a gentle warmth. that begins now to go up your thigh. Soft, gentle light, gentle warmth. Feel it in your abdomen. Soft. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe from your belly. Slowly filling it. Letting it out. With each breath you take in, it's God's love that comes into you, filling you. And with each breath goes your worries, your troubles, your concerns. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. The light slowly spreads, going up your spine, Filling your back, into your shoulders, 
chest. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in God's love. Breathe in God's peace. Breathe in God's grace. The light goes down your arm to your elbows. Down your forearms to your wrists into your hands and to each finger. Breathe out your troubles. Let them slide out through your fingertips. And what's left is God's peace, God's love, God's light. The light slowly goes up into your neck. the back of your head, a nice gentle light down your forehead, your eyes, your nose, your ears, cheeks. Mouth. The light goes down into your chin. Filling you completely. With each breath you are filled more and more with God's peace. The light begins to grow. filling you more until you feel it radiating out from you, reaching out to your neighbor, filling us all. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. God, we feel your presence with us. We ask this morning, as we begin our day, that you direct our thinking. Divorce our minds from thoughts of self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motives, so that our thinking may be on a much higher plane, free of these wrong motives, so we might use this brain as you intended. Grant us an intuitive thought or decision as we go about planning our day and as we move through it. Show us what our each and every step should be along the way and give us whatever we need to take care of such problems. Grant us the ability to relax, take it easy, not to struggle. Just wait for the right answers to come. Take away our self-will to the exact degree it is not of service to you and to our fellow men. 
Grant us the ability to recognize when we are first becoming agitated or doubtful, irritated, or fearful. And in that moment, grant us your power to pause and ask you for right thought or action, and your power to carry it out. Grant us the ability to remind ourselves consistently throughout the day that we're not running the show, but to say to ourselves in a humble manner, your will, not mine, be done. Your will, not mine, be done. Keep us from the dangers of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, jealousy, self-righteousness, procrastination, perfection, criticism, and judgment. Grant us the ability to become more efficient, not burn up energy foolishly, trying to arrange the show to suit ourselves. Discipline us in this practice as we are undisciplined. Show us the way of kindliness, patience, tolerance, and love with everyone we come in contact with as we go about our day. Help us to grow in effectiveness and understanding and love and tolerance. Grant us the ability to carry the vision of your will for us into all of our activities. How may we best serve you? Again, your will, not mine, be done. Show us what we can do for the person who is still sick and suffering and grant us whatever it is we need to be able to do your work. We feel your presence. We feel your light deep within us. It burns brightly. Keep me open, God, with this light deep within me as I go about this day. Open me up so that I may let your loving presence shine out from within me and so that I may experience and see your shining presence in others. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts that we are blessed with this day and blessed with your bounty and blessed with the presence of each other. With each breath, we begin to feel not only your presence, but the energy that you are going to feed us with today. An energy that will keep us present. An energy that will prepare us to be receptive to your words, to those thoughts that are of you. With each breath, we take in more and more of your energy, more and more of your light. And as we begin to slowly pay attention with each breath to our body, our body begins to respond to the energy and we become more and more present to be centered, to be with you and each other today. Slowly we pay attention to our bodies more and more and slowly we come back to be present to this beautiful day. As you're ready, come back and join us, filled with a new energy to be present.
Thank you. I don't know what I'd do without this program. I remember 15 years sober one time going to a grocery store. Redfin learns what you like and constantly finds new homes for you. Want to win? Choose Redfin. I'm sitting up, getting ready to go inside, and this fear, this overwhelming fear begins to crawl through my body. It's like, okay, what's going on here? I'm afraid to go in the grocery store, so I had the voice. I had the dialogue. You know the dialogue we have with ourselves all day with the voices, right? What are you afraid of? Well, somebody might say hi and look you in the eye. Well, I didn't have big a deal. Yeah, it is. Right? The voices. Fifteen years sober. I don't know how old I was then, but... And I, I'm afraid to go into a grocery store, for God's sakes, to buy groceries. So I say a prayer. And then I feel okay, and then I go in. Realizing. I, I have my own opinion about this. I I have a feeling that I don't know if there's such a thing in reincarnation or how it is all this stuff happens, but I, I like to work with visuals, and I sometimes think that God and St. Peter, when we came down the pipe, were playing poker. And they just like, and there's certain things we were supposed to come down here with. And because they were playing poker, not paying attention, we got past them without it. God says, oh, God, we missed a few. They'll become Alkies. See, because I was never comfortable until I had that dream. Then I was okay. See, it's felt like, it always has felt like I straddled the world, straddled both sides. And what I finally came to realize, when the book says no middle of the road solution, I either need a lot of whiskey or I need a lot of God. Period. I can't straddle anymore. And, uh, I'll bitch to God about that when I get up there. I don't think that's quite right. But that is the truth. I never fell apart of until I took a drink when I was 16 years old. Then I had that experience sober, what I call middle of the road, middle of the road and sobriety. See? Trust me, ladies and gentlemen, if just going to meetings and not drinking work for me, I'd do it. I really would. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I love, you know, when I'm in Austin, Texas. Monday through Friday, between 4 and 4.15, my alarm clock goes off and my feet are on the floor. Do I like doing that? No. No. Why do I do that? I do because I like the effect reduced and I want to stay in fit spiritual condition. And I don't want to ever take a drink of alcohol again. Because when I take a drink, the drink takes me and all bets are off and I lose all rights. That's why. That's why I do it. I don't do it to be a nice guy. None of that. I do it because the book says, if you do this, I can promise you some great stuff. An awakened sixth sense. An awakened spirit. The ability to grow and understand your effectiveness. You will have recovered and be given the power to help others. Amazing stuff. You'll walk hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Wow. Cheats John stuff. Which, by the way, stuff we don't talk enough about in our meetings. I hope when I leave here, I'll stir up what you bring up for a topic. For example, went to a couple meetings down here. Everybody have a topic, and I almost did this. I didn't, but maybe I will. Yes, I'd like you to share your experience with your new sixth sense. 
That's in the tenth step, by the way. Do the work in the first nine. Face and be rid of that which has you blocked from power. You get to the tenth step and the eleventh step and start working those disciplines. You do have a new sixth sense. It's called your spirit, your awakened spirit. You start to go through your day and your life, letting that awakened spirit guide you and move you. Fabulous stuff. What's your experience with having entered the world of the spirit? That's in the tenth step too. Now, you ever heard that as a topic? Why aren't we talking about this stuff? Power. This program's about power. It tells you that we agnostics. The whole purpose of this program is to enable you to develop a relationship with a power which will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Why aren't we talking about power? Donkeys love power. It is. It's a power. How about right in the middle of fear inventory? This is another topic you'll never hear. It says, I'm going to let God demonstrate through me what God can do. Why are we talking about that? Why are we talking about what it's like to let God demonstrate through you what God can do? A couple of people say, well, what preparation do you do for this? And I said, nothing. Except the work in 1 through 9 and the disciplines of 10 and 11. I'm a hollow bone. I've done the work necessary to let God demonstrate through me what God can do. See, I don't have a clue what you need, but God does. So if you have any problems with anything that comes out of this mouth, it's not my fault. <laughs> but see, all this is in this book. Credible stuff. Oh, you still drink? Go to me. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. A life beyond your wildest dreams. Rocket scientist stuff. Great stuff. You wake up to all that. You take that into your life. Take that into your relationships. Take that into your careers. Take that into every area of your life. Take that kind of power. We agnostics be an intelligent agent, spearhead of God's ever-advancing creation. What does that mean? Well, I think it means intelligent agent, spearhead of God's ever-advancing creation. All my troubles are my own making. Most powerful, One of the most powerful statements of hope in the big book. Why, why would I say that? Why do you think I would say that? Big book says, all my troubles are my own making. Why is that a great thing? What if your troubles are of somebody else's making? They got to change in order for you to get well. Right? I've done a lot of work with the fourth step. Fourth and fifth steps. Matter of fact, I got some inventory. I'll be reading some of it. Two or three pieces. While I'm down here. I read that to the men I work with. I'm accountable. See? If you get your sense of self. Outside yourself. You're in trouble. Because then something outside you. Has got to change. Get better. In order for you to be okay. It's a horrible way to live. I get my sense of self. Right here. You can add to me, but you can't take nothing from me. You hear what I just said? See, because all my troubles are my own making. Everything in my life is on loan. It's all a gift. It's on loan. Living in a world of impermanence. Don't know how long it's on loan. And if it turns to me one day and says, I'm gone, God bless you. Go in peace. Turn to the next one. What a great way to live. From that position you can love. All my troubles are my own making. Wow. What amazing stuff. I spent years drinking 
because my troubles were of your making. And I'm trying to arrange my life. If Mark's arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as Mark would. Our greatest adventure is changing the way we travel on Earth. Yes, the show would be great. Listen to some gentleman read some inventory today. Probably tomorrow night. I want to spend some time talking about the fourth and fifth step. My experience over the years, and I work with a lot of people, a lot of varying links. Right now, I, I, uh, I'm sponsoring a woman. She's 44 years sober. Been sponsoring her for 10 years. When she came to me, she was one of the doing a lot of speaking, yada, yada, yada. Nobody would say anything to her. She was dying of untreated alcoholism. She almost committed suicide. Alone with the most sobriety. She heard a tape when I talked about almost taking myself out of here. She called me. Took her through the steps, right in inventory. Tell you, doing a fifth step with somebody that long sober and I got less time was like dancing with the devil. Unbelievable. Hold her free of that. Hold her free of that. Incredible. Woman's in her 80s and more vibrant and alive than anyone I know. Fabulous stuff. Doesn't matter how long you're sober, you get trapped by this stuff. See? I'm going to talk more about the fourth and the fifth step. What that's about. I believe in writing a lot with inventory. Why? Because my ego is as mysterious and powerful as God himself as far as I'm concerned. And I can't defeat my ego. It takes the best of us. So that's why you do fourth and fifth steps. I started to tell you my, my current reality. I mentioned the unmanageability. But you might consider this as an exercise. Is make a list of your own current unmanageability. The stuff that's rubbing up against you. Make a list of your current fears. I'm not talking old stuff. I'm not talking like the fear inventory itself. But all of us in this room, I would say in the last week or two, you have reoccurring fears running through your mind, don't you? That list may be six, seven, eight of them. That's what's rubbing up against you today. Then you walk into the meeting, they say, how you doing? You go, I do, it's fine. Wake up. On the one hand you are, the other you're not. I had uh, nine fears. 10.30 at night, no one's around. Finished the evening review. All hooked up. This voice. You'll never quit smoking. You'll die a horrible death. Have a good night. <laughs> y'all know what I mean about them voices, right? You, <clears throat> we'll have a little fun. I want to introduce you to your host of characters, if I can. This morning, when you all got up within about five or ten minutes, imagine that you had a table. Imagine there's chairs. And you all had internal dialogue going on this morning, right? The voices. Some of you perhaps think that is a singular voice. It is not. I'll introduce you to my voices. You can identify your own. The voices are a combination of the different things you have going in your life that you think identify who and what you are. 
So, here's some of mine. We have the spiritual guy. We have Mr. AA. Those are two different guys, by the way. Mr. AA, if you don't follow the group conscious, he's going to be in your face. The spiritual guy, he's all forgiven. Different guy. 